Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Good afternoon, listeners. This is the DOGS program. The Australian Council for Defence of Government Schools are here to defend and to promote public education. It is the cornerstone of our democracy and it should be public in outcome as well as in entrance. We believe in it being publicly accessible to all children, students that is, and teachers and cleaners, you name it, any employee in our public schools should be given freedom of entrance with no discrimination attached. And on the whole, they are and they're worth fighting for. So we're here to fight for them. Now today we're going to talk about a very unpolitically correct matter, which is religion and the election of the Morrison government. Because the religious people, or certain numbers of religious people, are out in force now that the election's over to say that they were responsible for the election of the Morrison government. In other words, so many people are saying that they were responsible, the coal industry, you name it, the the climate deniers, uh, all sorts of people are saying, oh yes, we put the Morrison government in power. With, by the way, one extra member in the House of Representatives, and I'm not sure that Mr Morrison is in power in the Senate. So... There's a lot of people uh, now coming out of the woodwork to say that they put Mr Morrison in government, which I think is very interesting since here at the Dogs we think he's been given a poison chalice. Now we are discovering that our economy is not in such good shape at all. Um, So we're going to discuss uh, what has been uh, going on in our press with regard to religion and the election of the Morrison government. Because here at 3CR, we are free to speak our minds and to even give coverage to religious points of view. As well as that, we're going to go over to America to have a look at Bernie Sanders and where he came from or where he says he came from. We'll have a look, too, at schools that are drowning in a toxic ethos uh, from England. And we will also discuss equality of opportunity. But although Robert is not here, we will be talking about a great state school, which is just up to the north of uh, Melbourne. So let's get on with it. Religion and the election of the Morrison government, which is our press release 795 at www.adogs.info As the Labor Party trawls through the ashes of the election, they will, in time, thank God they didn't win. The usual nasties are claiming the victory for one extra seat in the House of Representatives. Foremost are the religious groups and leading the charge in the Murdoch press was the Catholic Church in the last week. So here we are. First of all, we find that the Catholic Empire fights back with Dallas McInerney, the chief executive of Catholic Schools New South Wales, who wrote an opinion piece in The Australian of June the 4th. And he entitled it, Thank God for Catholic Schools. They save billions. 
Now, he claims that this was a fact-filled answer to the research done by Save Our Schools and used by the Fairfax Media and teacher unions in the election. It was also used by the dogs, and we stand by uh, this research because we've been looking at the My School website also. Now, even the old chestnut story of the Goulburn strike was used by McInerney. It was as if all the hard work of the state school groups for the election was irrelevant and over the years. However, the state aid problem has certainly not been buried. If the 78 comments on the article are noted, and we'll be reading you some of these comments later, here at, um, at 3CR we listen to people, even if we do have selective ears, because we can have selective ears here. We are unashamedly uh, forthright in what we can say. But McInerney's figures, which no doubt are questionable, are still very interesting. Listen to this. Pushed by the public teacher unions and self-appointed public education advocates, funding data, he claims, was misrepresented to suggest that Australia's Catholic and other non-government schools were funded at the expense of state schools. In fact, public funding per student for government schools has increased every year since it was extended to non-government schools. There's some truth in that, but it might have been increased, but nothing to nothing like the percentage that has been increased to non-government schools. But he says, it, thankfully, both major political parties have already moved beyond the argument. And on this issue, the Coalition and Labor, which won 75% of the primary vote between them, are on a unity ticket. So the boots are out and they're being put in. And then have a look at his figures. Now, he's claiming that the Catholic schools save the government $1.46 billion. Uh, And then... In New South Wales, he says it's $1.7 billion in recurrent education funding. Now, if that's all it costs, or if they're the only savings, if that's the sort of money that we're saving, just think about it. It's actually only a few billion. Let's take them over. Let's take them over. His figures are indicating more and more that they're not saving us all that money in, in sheer hard factual terms when you look at the whole budget and how much, in fact, it is costing it to educate all the children of Australia. If it only takes a few billions to solve the state aid problem and put all our children in public schools, leaving the rest to be independent, let's do it. Now, the second article was in the Sydney Morning Herald. And it was written by Julie Zigo. Um, and we've given you the, the place you can go to read the whole article. And it's got, called Gotta Have Faith. Religion was the sleeper issue we didn't see coming. Do you remember Morrison saying, I will burn for you. Now, people who weren't religious or weren't his sort of religious took that to mean uh, burning coal. But they were mistaken. This was not code for coal evangelism, but a phrase that's employed by Pentecostal Christians as they hold up their hands. You know, you see them in the megachurches, denoting strenuous service for Christ. And not all ears were attuned to his pitch to the faithful out there in the so-called Bible Belt. And the faithful in the Bible Belt, particularly the ones that send their children to so-called Christian schools, and please mention that I, I am calling them so-called Christian schools, are now claiming that they rose up on May the 18th to re-elect the coalition. You know, that one extra, that one extra person in the representatives, House of Representatives, for them, this is one narrative that's gaining traction to explain the so-called shock win. 
Now, if you can still trust the pollsters, there were correlations and overlaps between the seats that swung heavily to the coalition in Queensland and Western Sydney. And they weren't all Christian, by the way. The census data showing higher than average rates of religious affiliation and the electorates that registered significant no votes in the same-sex marriage plebiscite. Christian Schools Australia had also effectively urged a vote for the coalition. It's not only the Catholic Church that tells people how to vote from the pulpit. And they argued that the the election was the most critical for religious freedom in living memory and for quiet Australians, they are very noisy folk, especially if you go to one of their mega churches. Now, these people are pushing for religious freedom legislation so that the so-called Christian schools can discriminate against pupils and teachers who don't fit within their religious, sexual or any other guidelines. Well, Doc's position, and we are not anti-religion and certainly not anti-Christian, is that they should be very careful what they wish for. Christians in Australia might find themselves being discriminated against by other religions that are even more dogmatic than themselves. And back we go into the vicious religious wars of the murky, murky past. There is nothing as bloody as a religious war. There is also a question whether the government can legislate about religious matters. It is not one of the powers listed in Section 51. Our founding fathers, who didn't want Section 116 put into the Constitution, argued that there was no need for a religious freedom cause because the Commonwealth does not have power under Section 51 or any other section of the Constitution to legislate on religious matters. And there is always that Section 116 because some founding fathers knew that the state aid problem could raise its head again. It's there sitting in the wings. You never know what a High Court will be forced to apply it as it was intended. Namely, it was intended to separate church and state. Now, the third article is the most interesting. It's entitled, Using My Religion. And it's written by a Christian who is the CEO of the Bible Society Australia. And this man actually represents a lot of Christians who respond to more than the hype of advertising men. Uh, Not everybody goes along with Morrison and his brand of religious fervour as it was used in the interest of power politics. So I would like to read you quite a lot of this gentleman's article in, of all things, a journal called Eternity. This is a religious journal that is in most of the churches of Melbourne and it is called Eternity after a homeless man in Sydney who for many years, particularly in the 1950s, used to get up early in the morning and walk the streets and in a copper plate hand write the word Eternity. He had been an alcoholic and he was a Christian. So we'll have a little break before I read this article. Are you wondering how you can pledge your support for a 3CR radio program during Radiothon? It's easy. Call us on 9419 8377 or visit our website at 3cr.org.au or you can even come into the station at 21 Smith Street, Fitzroy, during office hours and pay by cash, cheque or FBOS. Or simply post us your cheque or money order to P.O. Box 1277, that's P.O. Box 1277, in Collingwood, 3066. And thank you for being part of 3CR's annual Radiothon. (laughs) 
My name is Ian Ham, and I'm the chair of the Healing Foundation Stolen Generations Reference Group. At three weeks of age, I was separated from my birth family, and even though they lived just 50 kilometres away, I never knew they existed. I never met my mum, and it pains me to this day. There are thousands of Aboriginal people just like me, and our stories have never been heard. These stories form the basis of Australia's first Stolen Generations resource kit for schools. To download the kit, go to healingfoundation.org.au. A 3CR supporter. Santa Concha, what the hell is a completo anyway? It's a Chilean hot dog, mate. What happens when lots of people get together and eat completos? It becomes a completada bailable. If you really want to experience a completada bailable and support our 3CR community, come to our fundraiser, Saturday 8th of June at Moreland City Band Room, 16 Cross Street, East Brunswick at 6 p.m. Come and check your culo with DJ Twin and DJ Otorongo and live music by Abe Danovitz, Little Chili and their mates. Limpiese la boquita que le quedó paltita. Well, here we are back again on the Dogs Program, listeners, and I'm going to read to you part of an article written by Greg Clark, the CEO of Bible Society Australia, from the um, magazine Eternity. Greg Clark feels used. He says it's a little frustrating. People are using Christianity, which is my religion, to build their personal brands. I was first alerted to it, he says, in 2015 when someone showed me a photo from Kim Kardashian's socials where her daughter was carrying a pink Bible-themed sticker book. Why go out in public with that book, I wondered. What is being communicated by the Queen of social media? Perhaps having a portable Sunday school lesson as a sign of being a good mother. Christian virtue signalling? I really don't know. While I've been writing this, I've also discovered that Kardashian and husband Kanye West have just welcomed a fourth child bald by a surrogate and have gone biblical, according to the press, and named her Sam West. Maybe the biblical connection goes deeper, I really don't know. Lord help us, it's really hard to tell these days. Celebrity culture is one thing, rugby is another. People are quoting Bible verses, getting sacked for it, praying on the pitch and pointing to the heavens after they score. Then there's politics. Prime ministers are citing theological beliefs in their victory speeches after debating held during their election campaigns. Even dead politicians who describe themselves as profoundly agnostic are being commemorated with scripture. The golden bowl is broken, wrote Blanche Darpolje in her statement on her husband Bob Hawke's death, quoting from Ecclesiastes. I do hope she did so deliberately to invoke that wonderful passage about remembering your creator in the day of your youth, something Hawke did before losing his faith. Stanley Fish, the literary critic, was asked in the late 90s what theme would define the 21st century. To everyone's surprise, his immediate reply was religion. He's been right thus far. From September the 11th, 2001, when extreme Islamic beliefs led to the epoch-making events of that day, religion has occupied in centre stage in world affairs. But at that time, religion was being seen as the problem. It poisoned everything. We'd be better off without it, was the cry. Something has changed as we head to, to 2020. Religion is returning, but in an unpredictable manner. While 30% of Australians recently described themselves in the census as having no religion, when questions are asked about spiritual, spirituality, the answers are more confusing. Generation Y, now hitting their 30s, perceives spirituality as an important aspect of mental health and well-being. Now, Australians have voted in their current Prime Minister at least partially because of perceptions around religious freedom. And this is not the old folk. It's better correlated with lower income groups, which include young people, and multicultural sectors. In other words, younger people want to keep spirituality on the agenda and it's part of being a well-rounded, healthy, diverse human being. So religion is everywhere. 
but it's getting used to build people's personal brands. And this is bugging Greg Clark. He feels so passionate about the deep eternal value of his Christian faith that seeing it become a marketing accoutrement is hard to take. It's on all sides too. So the right wing are aligning Christianity with Western culture, claiming that biblical thinking undergoes success of the West. And Jordan Peterson is a standout there. And the left wing are aligning Christianity with love equals love, as if that were a biblical concept. And it's very annoying. And while Clark is complaining, he's always found it a bit galling too that Christmas and Easter get enjoyed by the very people who bag them out. So someone will laugh at the idea of God incarnate, but happily sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead sea on Christmas Eve, and take the holy days whenever they're offered, and talk about peace on earth as if that were possible without serious divine intervention. So his gills are showing, so he'll pull back. He says, let's embrace the new religious sensibility, And let's see Bible quotes and cross necklaces and prayer virgils and pink biblical sticker bags. But can I ask for a few things to go along with the spiritual fashion items? So I found that a very interesting article because religious people are in danger of forgetting how dangerous it is to play around with people in power and to become over-dependent or over-interested in money. And here I have found in the age of Tuesday, June the 4th, a very interesting letter. This letter is headed, and it's congratulations to Channel 9 or whoever it is who has actually published this letter. This is what it says. Defend the secular state. Thomas Jefferson argued in the Virginia Statute for Religious Freedom of 1786 that no man may be, may be compelled, or sorry, shall be compelled to frequent or support any religious worship, place or ministry whatsoever. Freedom from compulsion is the religious freedom essential to public and private life in a modern democracy. It requires an unequivocal statement of the secular nature of our nation-state and needs to be followed by some appropriate policies. The first of these would surely have to be the repeal of any tax exemptions and other secular privileges for religious organisations, followed by the withdrawal of all public funding from private or religious schools. Instead, What we are likely to get from this authoritarian regime is a regressive protection of Christian religious privileges and prejudices preceded by a completely unnecessary debate in lieu of the myriad policy debates we should be having. And that is the dog's position. Separation of religion from the state. And that includes no funding support from any government through taxpayer funding. Our forefathers in the Scottish, American and even the Australian Enlightenment understood this policy very well and the religious people of Australia of all stripes who are now seeking what they refer to as religious freedom to discriminate against other religious people are in great danger themselves of losing that very basic freedom of conscience. So we'll have another break and then we've got an interesting twosome for you, Dale and myself.
There's the Vivaldi. Now, I read to you much earlier in the program uh, excerpts from The Catholic Empire Fights Back with Dallas McInerney, the Chief Executive of the Catholic Schools New South Wales, and his opinion piece, Thank God for Catholic Schools Because They Save Billions. Uh, there's not that many billions, actually, uh, so uh, it's quite interesting. Uh, he, he, he should be careful about the figures that he uses. But the interesting thing about this article was the 78, it's quite a, quite a fair number, of comments that came up on the internet. And Dale and I are going to read you some of these uh, comments. I'll start off. Nicole said, Pull the other one. The greatest scandal in Australian politics is that taxpayer funds are spent on non-public schools. Both major parties are responsible, even though all the best Prime Ministers in this country have been educated in public schools. Choice is awesome. Pay for it yourself. The next uh, comment is uh, from Stephen, and he says, The writer would seem to suggest that all those capital works have been funded almost solely by the Catholic education sector, which is complete rot. Federal and state grants, cheap bank loans and tax-deductible building funds, which means even that it's taxpayer-subsidised, make up the vast percentage. So if the students come across, came across so should the majority of the assets, which, I might add, have never paid land tax, council rates, etc., to support the local community. If you look at Chatswood, just see the growth of two schools there, which have a Pac-Man-like, which have Pac-Man-like devoured rates, paid commercial and residential land, converting them into rates-free. Using that very tired old story about the Goulburn Dunnies and as a product of the system I remember well the poorly maintained loos in the 70s and 80s would make one wonder why the school, read the bishop, felt that atrocious conditions were okay for their students and how hundreds of families couldn't stump up enough cash for a renovation rescue. Well, that was a very interesting one, wasn't it? Mm. Uh, here's another one. Uh, he, uh, this is Deborah. Each student in a Catholic school might get 2000 less from the state government, but the federal government then makes up the shortfall. All the funds the state government get for education are from federal government grants. So the same amount of money is going to every student, and ultimately it's funded by the federal government and the taxpayer. Deborah doesn't have a problem with private schools or Catholic education, but this argument that it's cheaper for the taxpayer is spurious. It's cheaper for state governments, maybe, but not cheaper for the taxpayer. While some of the capital works are provided by fees, and if you want something better for your darling, well, be prepared to put your hand in your pocket. 
the non-payment of rates and taxes and land granted by the state does help. How about people in a democracy having a choice? That is good enough argument for me, but the argument that it is cheaper for the taxpayer is debatable. And then somebody else said, why should I pay for my kids' education and taxes for other kids' education? So uh, Deborah had this to say. Uh, She said, why should I pay taxes to educate other people's children when I have none of my own? Perhaps because we live in a community, perhaps because school is compulsory, and in Australia we view education for everyone as an important concept and we all chip in to educate our young people. If some people think what the state offers is not good enough, fine, but put your hand in your own pocket if you want something, in quotes, better. And PTP said, well, we pay taxes for education because children are the future for all of us, even for those who are childless. Who will pay the taxes for your health care and pension once you are old? In an ideal world, everybody who wanted kids would find a loving partner and have a family. But sadly, this is not always available. Due to tinkering by the politically correct brigade who have changed the balance between the supply of good men, men and the demand. Hmm. Well, Russ uh, goes on to say about the article, Good grief, what complete cherry-picked nonsense. This much cheaper for the government to give handouts to private and religious cult schools is an utter furphy. It only comes close to working, and then doesn't anyway, when you absolutely ignore all the other handouts, tax exemptions and concessions to the industry. The various cults cost the Australian taxpayer over $31 billion a year in grants, donations, exemptions and various other scams. That's a very interesting figure, isn't it, Carl? $31 yeah, billion. And it well, does add up. Just a few more... Just spend another billion to take them over and you'd save a 31 billion. That sounds good to me. Mm, mm. Uh, The largest portion of this taxpayer largesse, which the Catholic Church hoovers up over 16 billion, yet look how they squirm and shrill as the government tries to pull its nose from the trough. 31 billion? Well, there goes the nonsense that the state could not afford to absorb those children into the state system if needed. Not that there would be a lot of children. Fees would drop in an instant if the cults were made to trade fairly. Another example of just how much these cults are costing the Australian taxpayer is the Melbourne City Council report of 2006. In the MCC area alone, tax exemptions and concessions to religious bodies at 10% to every other taxpayer's rate. So that's in the Melbourne City Council area. Those of us who do pay tax there to to the City Council, 10% is added onto our rates to pay for the taxes that don't come from the churches. Interesting. Mm. And Russ continues, lastly, it's always fun to ask these touts, please direct us to the public and audited accounting of the taxpayer funds allocated to the cults. Curiously, or perhaps not, they don't seem to be big on accounting. Frankly, the whole concept is bizarre. The logic is, hey, I refuse to travel on the state on the state funded bus, ergo you must subsidize my Mercedes. Now Anthony and Joan uh, responded to Russ and said, I knew you couldn't resist providing your twisted facts to the debate because you cannot help yourself, can you? <laughs> but Russ replied and this was edited. So here's Russ. Please identify those facts you believe to be untrue. Happy to debate same. In the meantime, please provide audited account link for funds provided by the taxpayer to Catholic schools. Educational children is compulsory. However, according to the UN document on human rights, the ICCPR, freedom of religion, means parents should have the right to raise their children in accordance with the tenets of their religion. As a condition of receiving government funding, children at religious schools must be taught the state curriculum. However, ideally, in a religious school, they are educated in a faith-based community where staff are committed to teaching and 
modelling values taught by the religion. In a democratic and pluralistic society, it is time parents received a voucher for the education of their children that can be redeemed at either a private or public school. I think that Russ is somebody that we also have a look at. He's obviously a voucher man too, mm. so I don't know that uh, the dogs would agree with that, but no, still, no. Uh, we are, like the Labor Party, we are listening, aren't we? <laughs> now, Jason had this to say. State schools are a state responsibility paid for by GST and funded by state governments. Now the state schools get both state and federal funding, while independents get a few dollars from the federal government and are carried by the parents. A few dollars? Yes. (laughs) He's actually mistaken. This is very interesting uh, that a lot of private school parents really don't understand how much money is coming through. Especially, um, you know, the lack of uh, reaching the SRS that the public schools get. Like, you know, they came up with the with the amount, the, stand, the school resources standard, they came up with the amount and have guaranteed that public schools will only ever get 70% of it and have guaranteed that non-government schools will get over 120% of the school resourcing standards that they set. And so for him to say, oh, a few dollars, you know, he's yep. talking billions. Yes, well... We'll get a minute to the answer because there were people involved in this discussion who had their facts and figures, but Jason just wanted to um, uh, rule out anybody who disagrees with uh, their facts and figures as um, subservient to the politics of envy. Yes, that old argument. So here we have... Deborah responds um, saying, No, Jason, the state governments get their money for education from the federal government and always have long before the GST in the form of federal grants. The GST is just an additional source of money for the federal government to give to the state. It is not tied to education grants. The independent and Catholic schools Schools get funding from the state, uh, 2,000 less than state students, and the federal government chips in the difference. There is no additional funding from the federal government for the state system because the states have already provided the full amount. There is no saving to taxpayers. People who make very large donations towards capital expenditure to private and Catholic schools find it very tax effective. Petronius has this to say. This is a very interesting um, letter or comment. Uh, These are comments, dear listeners, to an article written by McInerney in the Sydney Morning Herald claiming that Catholic schools are great because they save taxpayer dollars. Thank God for Catholic schools, he said. Petronius says, there's no problem with sectarian schools providing they do not charge fees, are fully funded by the state and are open to all students, also with no expelling students. That is, they are pretty close to being public Public schools. schools. Given that these religious schools argued that they're no more religious than state schools in the High Court case of 1979, well... Might as well make them public schools anyway. Hmm. This is pretty much the situation in New Zealand and the UK, but those who wish to charge fees should be on their own financially, for example, Harrow or Rugby. This way you deter the siphoning off of better students from government schools leaving public education as a last resort. Also, those who genuinely want a religious education and or the supposed superior moral atmosphere of a religious school can do so for free. This arrangement preserves the dominance of free, secular and compulsory education, which is good for students and society. That is questionable. (laughs) The present education system is a dog's breakfast, set up by thoughtless politicians in the 1960s and 70s and typically Australian in its she'll-be-right-mate style. Uh, Trevor says, uh, the calculation from my school uh, reveal more than a few ironies. We looked closely at Goulburn, New South Wales, the place where state aid to non-government schools symbolically began when Catholic schools shut their doors and sent all their students to the local government schools. If this happened today, it would now cost only 1% more to educate all Goulburn's Catholic school students in government schools. 
and see Chris Bonner and Bernie Shepherd. Yes, the Save Our Schools people have done some tremendous research and McInerney is in his article really responding to the facts and figures that are now out in the open. So that was a very interesting one. Have you had enough yet, uh, Dale? Do you think there's some more interesting ones? They just, um, you know, it's the same rhetoric, isn't it? It's it's Mm. the same rhetoric that uh, I suppose uh, enables people to ignore the uh, entrenched inequity, isn't it? Yes, there's another very interesting group of um, of comments which deal with whether or not Catholic schools um, discriminate and divide our children <laughs> on the basis of tribalism. That there's a comment from George which I find really quite worrying and mm. I think any state school teacher who has had to teach a child who has been expelled from uh, certain kinds of, of private schools... Uh, would also find this worrying, but would understand it. George says, Pity the teachers and the police for being unable to use the cane on delinquents. At least the private schools have the advantage of being able to drop kick miscreants into the unfortunate public system. It does not take much for an oppositionally defiant kid to disrupt a class. And present psychotherapies are highly questionable. That's it's kind of problematic, it, isn't it? It it's leaves a bad taste in the mouth. Absolutely, because that's, um, you know, the exact sort of social segregation that, you know, entrenches ideas of inequity and, you know, how I always balk when I hear adults judge children. Yeah. Uh, the good news is that there are many, many state school teachers who have wonderful classroom abilities. When they are actually in the classroom, they do know how to deal with the child that has problems. Mm. Um, and that is the skill of a good teacher. And because all of these children, all children, are in state schools, it is the state school teachers who develop and who have these wonderful skills so that these children very often become quite important people in our community. And to label a child a miscreant is, you know, it's like when we talk about um, the... uh, know the lack of capital works in public schools you know a child really knows how society feels about them when their building has a leaking roof you know it does not set the child up to be a a great contributing member of society as an adult if they already feel othered from the get-go well is he talking about all those aboriginal children who are almost 100 percent represented in those terrible places up in the Northern Territory where they are treated like criminals before they have even, even got out of childhood. And it's this system that, um, and that creates that environment. It doesn't do anything to help it. So he's just worried about uh, keeping his child, you know, the, again, that whole argument, the difference between educating my child and the education of the children. Well, here's just a few of the last ones. From Ambrose Raven, would you like to read that? um? Sure. Ambrose Raven says, Observe once again how a politically powerful sectarian school sector with a huge culture of entitlement of looting taxpayers' money to feed its growth and power naturally continues to focus much of the equity debate on decades-old media-assisted self-serving criticisms of the effectiveness of government schools. User pays is something that to them should apply only to others. Abused children are, of course, someone else's problem. Catholic lobby political power is camouflaged as a settled concept within Australian society society, that every child in this country deserved some public funding for their education, regardless of the school in which their parents enrolled them, a citizen's entitlement. Catholic schools opposed the Howard funding model because the sector wanted to ensure 
sure its system was independent of the government sector, though lavishly subsidised by us, just as Muslim schools would wish to do. There you are. So you've got the entanglement of church and state, um, and that is the result. We are living with the result. I'd just like to finish up with uh, two comments. One is from Meg, who reckons that the Catholics do a great job of educating the children in their care. It's money well spent. (laughs) And Russ responded, actually, the Royal Commission was very clear on Catholic institutions and its care of children. Mm -hmm. Very clear uh, indeed. Here at 3CR, we're prepared, like the Labor Party, to listen to. But we are not ashamed that we selectively listen because here we are promoting public education. And uh, we'll have a little bit of a break. The 3CR Radiothon is here. And this year, we're asking you to power Radical Radio. That's right. It's with your support that we're able to be independent, community-controlled and focused on people rather than profits. Your support during Radiothon powers the station to give voice to hundreds of people and issues for another year. And remember, any amount you can afford makes a big difference and all donations over $2 are tax-deductible. 3CR Radiothon 2019. June the 3rd to the 16th. Power Radical Radio. Hmm. I think we should get this invention, which sucks up all of the rubbish in the world and puts it in a intergalactic dimension. 2040 is the latest film by award-winning director Damon Camo and shows us a possible future we could have if we take on board all the best practice options available now to change our planet. Join the Out of the Blue team for a special fundraising screening of 2040 on Thursday 20 June at the Nova Cinema in Carlton. To book tickets, Google 2040 Out of the Blue Radiothon Movie Fundraiser or find the event on our Facebook page on facebook.com slash outoftheblue. Come along to Cinema Nova with the Out of the Blue team for a drink, a fantastic documentary and help raise funds for Radiothon 2019. Thursday 20 June, 8pm at the Nova Cinema in Carlton. Please note, saving the world is not guaranteed. But having a great night is... Everywhere you look, you will see incredible reasons for hope.
Every week on the Doctor Program we have a special segment to show a different state school is a great school. State schools are great schools. School of the week. State school. School of the week. Great state schools. State schools. School of the week. School for the week here on the Dogs Program. Now, I'm not Robert, and I'm apologising for not being Robert, but I think that our great state school and being positive about our public schools and the wonderful job being done by our teachers is perhaps the most important part of our job here on the DOGS program. And today I'd like to talk about a little school that I've been watching. I watch it almost every weekend, and I think, you know, if I had children still had children because mine are grown up, I would love to send them to this school. And it's the Whittlesea Primary School. It's been there for many, many years. It was um, built probably in the 19th century, I would say. And it's located in a very picturesque township just south of the Great Dividing Range, just down from King Lake and all those places that were affected by the terrible bushfires in 2009. And the school and all the people in Whittlesea came behind all their friends up in King Lake and they had a tent city in the local park. It was it was a, a good place to be with people and communities helping each other. Now, this school, their priority is to meet and challenge the individual learning needs of their children and to enhance their learning opportunities and achievement. And the parents and the students and the staff are strongly encouraged to work together in a partnership. Now, this is um, all part of their advertisement, if you like, but I thought this was an interesting statement. It's the responsibility of teachers to provide a seamless education, foundation, year prep to year six and further. Uh, So I thought that was interesting that they think about the education of their children as seamless and um, they teach them according to what is required by the state. And the principal is a man called Ty Collins and um, he looks like a a youngish man who's very, very um, energetic. And you can tell this from the results of this school. The children's NAPLAN tests are, are increasingly better year by year. But what are these children? Where do they come from? They are a bit below the Ixia, the people up in Whittlesea. Instead of a 1,000, uh, they are in the 900s, 995. And... All of the students attend very well, 93% attendance rate. They have Indigenous children at this school, not a large percentage, but they do have Indigenous children there because there used to be a tribe up the King Lake Way, you know, and they used to play in the Plenty River. And um, I'm interested in the history of this area. They have 32 teaching staff and they have... um, 12 non-teaching staff. Now, how much does it cost uh, to educate a child at this school? Uh, The Australian government gives them 2,025 per student. The state territory government's current funding is 7.5,000 per student. Um, Now, they do have parent contributions. The parent contribution per student is $401, and this is not a wealthy area. Altogether, in 2018, the parents raised $171,149. That's quite a lot for people in that area. Other private sources were $56,064. So that's 131 per student. So there are endowments of past students to this school because it's a much-loved school and it's been there for a long time. So all in all, per student, these children receive 
It's a bargain. In 2000. That's right. As Robert tells you every week, um, it's, uh, you, you need at least um, 11,000 to 14,000 per student. This is a bargain. And you can see that the parents up there are really doing the hard yards, making sure that their children have all the little extras. You can see it as you go past the school. You can see it in the grounds, all of the things that the parents have put up to make this a very friendly, uh, very child-friendly place. And it's a very happy school. Uh, Everything surrounding it is very happy. And yet, in this area, they have problems uh, with a lot of private schools which have come into the area. But they are keeping up their enrolments. Um, There's 450 children in this school, a a nice number. So congratulations to Whittlesea Primary School. It's lovely to know that you are there, that your principal and your teachers are giving you the very best that Australia can give you at our expense. And it is your entitlement. Now, that is the end of today. We're hoping that Robert will be back next week with his great schools. But next week, too, we have to ask you to dig deep. We have to raise 6500 for this program to keep the program and 3CR on the air. Never before has 3CR been needed as it is now, as we enter the Morrison government period. So that's it for today. So I'll say bye for now. And Dale will say also bye for now. Ten years dead, I know.